This is Victoria coming at you from the cat cave. And Chris. Oh, thank you, Victoria. Well, Victoria is our special guest host. And there's a reason for that. Because you and Lily are Leslie Nope and Ann Ann Perkins. We Um, are besties, not going to lie. Absolute besties. She was your maid of honor. Lily. Well, she wasn't was. She will always be my my mo. mo. She's my mo. How do you think the episode came out? I had a lot of fun. It was just, you know, me, you, and Lily, we get together on Sundays and talk and cook dinners and just have a good time and good gab fest. And it felt like a regular Sunday. We were just sitting around the table eating snacks and talking about our lives. And it was it was a good time. You uh, prepared snacks. I like to prepare some snacks. Yeah, I had some cheese and crackers, some crudite, <laughs> and then I had made some for well for after the podcast. We had some pasta and yeah. some sauce, which is delicious. Um, I listened back to it, and I mean, for the most part, it kind of sounds like the conversations we would normally have. It did. It was. I it was will good. say everything I had to take out of it was basically something you said inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be inappropriate. Yeah, it was funny. I think in one of the things Lily mentioned in the podcast was. Um, there's no question you could ask that you wouldn't already know the answer to, <laughs> yeah. which I think is just, you know, we're just really good friends. So we'd like to talk about various things and have a good time. That was one reason I wanted to have you guys on together. Uh, we had scheduled, me and Mike scheduled Lily, and then Mike had an uh, pl- employment thing that he couldn't move around. So Victoria, I was like, oh, that just makes so much sense. And it really worked out great because there's just something about best friends. Like it's. There's just something about people who could finish each other's sentences. It was so much fun to have and you And who know on. the same stories. And yeah. just do, do a nice walk down memory lane. But I, I liked that. it because there's always something new I learn about Lily every time we all get yeah. together and talk. And it's we, good. We love her a little too much. We love Lily. Oh, She's I, my mo. Well, Victoria, obviously, if you don't know, maybe you're a new listener. Uh, Victoria is actually my wife. I am his wife. Yes, he he Sucka. liked it so much. She put a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, how lucky am I just to get along so well with your bestie or one of your besties? Well, um, what does Mindy I will Killing say, say? Well, uh, best friend is a tear. It's yeah. not a person. Um, but Lily's much closer than that because she's my mo. Um, but it's a good thing she liked you because mm-hmm. I mean, when I introduced you two together, and it's pretty early on in our relationship, like two months in, yeah. if she didn't like you. You were hitting the road, yeah, Jack. We, t- we talk about that. <laughs> we, we, we talk about trauma. We talk about feminism, ism, ism, ism. Ism. And we talk about our love of silly and goofy television shows. Yeah. Like, it really is It just, gets pretty tense it, at some points. It, I wouldn't say tense. It gets intense. Traumatic, even? Yeah. Uh, oh, big T. Little T. Oh, hey, you'll tune in. You'll find out what that means. You'll, you'll get it. Learn something tonight. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, we had changed our email address. We're now letschatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we talk about a great organization that Lily is involved with called the Root Strikers. If you'd like to learn more about them, I recommend looking at rootstrikers.org. Um, great episode, Lily. If you are, of course she's listening. Of course she's listening. She's the best. Of course, of course she, she yeah. listens to every episode. I, I think I hope I said this in the episode because I record these and I forget everything I say, <laughs> and then I have to go back and be like, oh god, I'm an idiot. Why do I talk so much? I don't know. But hey, folks, uh, download this podcast. Listen to it. Subscribe to Let's Chat on iTunes and Google Play because my awesome husband is so awesome that I said awesome three times. We're going bankrupt over this. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't eaten in weeks. (laughs) Give us some money. (laughs) Let's just just hope that you're better than Chloe and Ernest. That's Uh, not even a question. No, I am so awesome. And the first one to leave us a review on the iTunes 
will get a spice rub sent to their home if you feel comfortable with us having your address. Made by uh, your brother. Made by Alexander Pasinich. There's Future the guest. rub. Future guest. He makes some awesome spice rubs. You're putting on some chicken. You throw it in the oven. Bam. You got dinner. Yeah. Hit subscribe. We got next week my Dan Shields of the Raritan with my good friend and our friend Ryan Lermit sit down and we get to talk a lot about music and just silliness. The week after that, uh, quote, aspiring, but I think he already is, comedy writer Andrew Costa comes on, and him and I sit solo, and we talk for over two hours, and I won't tell you why, but the adventures of Pete and Pete take a large part of that conversation. That'll be in two weeks. Wow. And then after that, I know Mike and I should have an episode together, and for once, we actually have a lineup of guests who want to come on, and we're just trying to schedule. Hey, so all you cool cats, you want to be on the podcast, you give them an email, like them on Facebook, and subscribe. Cool cat, who are you? <laughs> I'm like Casey Kasem right now. Hey. <laughs> Casey Kasem, Saved by the Bell era. <laughs> all right, here she is, Lily, non-Asian Chun. He's much more monotone, like, hey guys, this is Mike. Welcome yeah, so he's chat. like kind of like, he's like the, the dad, it feels like, of yeah. the podcast, and you're like the really entertaining like I'm always screaming or something. <laughs> Do you remember, Lily, um, must be my birthday last year, you gave me the podcasting book. Mm-hmm. That was before we did the show, Yeah, and that was one of the, the um, catalysts, I would say, to start it. Because I read that book and it's entire, it was more of like, it was very thin. Yeah. So... I want to make myself sound smart because I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> that that was one of the uh, yeah the things that got the show going. Well, it just seemed like it was a big dream that you had. Are we sh- okay. Yeah, this is the show. Oh. <laughs> You're not going to do an introduction? No, I do that after everyone leaves. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, this, this is literally it. No, don't be sorry. We don't tell anyone on purpose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally it. And you're going to listen to it like, wow, we came off really well. Well, I did think it was a really cool dream that you had and I wanted yeah. to support you. You've always been very supportive. Mm. I think Mike still has that. I have to get that book back from Mike. Did that you? book was super helpful with like how to start and marketing and all these like little things, and that was super fun. So I had a, I did have one question for you, Lily. Okay. Where did you and Victoria meet? <laughs> <laughs> um, we met in college, mm-hmm. um, our sophomore year, because yes. I transferred into Providence College mm-hmm. from um, Connecticut College. Connecticut correct? College, exactly. Yeah. So we all know way too much about each other. <laughs> I, I don't think that's there's true. There's no mystery. I don't think there's any <laughs> questions you can ask me that you don't already know the answer <laughs> yeah. to. Um, yeah, so we were um, in in the social work program yep. together. and um, We lived on the same floor. In yeah, we were we, yep. we were in rooms like next or two rooms away from exactly. each other. Exactly, but that was like even before we really knew each other. So I would see her in the hallway and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and I think we were like in, um, were we in the same Western Civ class? Mm. Yes, we were. So we were like studying, but 
we didn't at all become real friends until junior year. That's and true. all of a sudden, because we, we were in almost all the same classes because of social work, and we just Aww. became like immediately best friends once we actually got to know each other. And yeah. then, we, then we lived together senior year. If you guys feel we this did. is appropriate, I've referred to both of you as Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who's who. <laughs> I don't it's, think it, it matters it, who's yeah, who. Yeah, it fluctuates. <laughs> yeah. Depends on the day. Yeah. Do, you ever, do you guys still miss college? Because sometimes I think I do, and then I'm like, nah. I really, I mean, I really loved our time together, but mm. I don't miss college yeah. at all. I, I, would, I don't miss college. I like the freedom and purpose I have now. Um, college was fun, and it was great, and to have, like, you know, to be able to spend so much of your time with your friends mm-hmm. when you yeah. weren't studying. Or, and we had internships our junior and senior year, too, so we were full-time students as oh, well God. as working part-time, basically, for free. That's Thank not you, as social fun. work. Um, so you sometimes I miss it. it, like being able to like hang out with Lily on like a Thursday to watch Lost, like that. Exactly. Things like that. That I miss, but well, overall. So you just touched upon something very important there. How do you feel about the ending of Lost? Because <laughs> I remember when we, you and I um, started dating, mm-hmm. we I came to your apartment before we were living together and... Uh, we had a nice little date night and you made some, you're like, I just want you to know this is really important because I'm missing the season finale of Lost. The series finale. Series finale. You missed the series finale I of did Lost because I forget what day it aired, but we had it a date. And, yeah, and I had to. And I have never seen an episode of Lost. That's true romance, I think. I know. So, that's a, our, like our first. Especially after that very frustrating season. I was like, I just have to see how it ends. Do you guys know. like the ending? No, no not really. I, I'm actually more of a, I, I didn't like the last several seasons. Like, once they started doing the um, flash-forwards, I was kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. I liked the first, like, the first four seasons of Lost, I would say, were my favorite. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I love the first, like, three to four seasons. Mm-hmm. I think they're wonderful. I mean, I just couldn't get enough of them. And I, I guess, sorry to be a little dorky, but the thing Oh, that- no, please. Victoria came on for an episode called A Tribute to Geek Girls. That's true. We That's are true. all about nerding out and going down wormholes and talking about absolutely nothing. And for some reason, people listen to us. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lost is um, so amazing because of like this really intricate mystery that you know is a, mm. in the show. And I think what's true about mystery in general, and I think maybe one of the biggest problems with religion is when you try and explain mystery mm-hmm. and like put this really concrete like thing on it, it actually ends up being really kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so when you make this like really mysterious island and like all this mystery, and then you make it about like this thing that turns in the ground or what was that thing? In I the, don't even know. Like those island. two dudes, like the one blonde and the dark haired dude, were they supposed to be like Cain and Abel? Yeah, like, something like that. And then there, but there was that thing under under yeah, the like the island, right? Yeah. So it just ended up being this super cheesy thing when it was this extremely beautiful mystery and it mm-hmm. just didn't need to be explained. Is Abrams religious? He did he did lost, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's did. one of his first know. big things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what else he did. But, I mean, now I do. I mean, Star Trek and he's doing the Star Wars and stuff. We watched um what was it? Star Trek into darkness. Into darkness. I almost called it Heart of Darkness uh, last night on Netflix. <laughs> it was awesome. That's a good one. I like Benedict Cumberbatch is my man. Oh my god, he's did such you? a good actor. I oh like the god, first so Star good. Trek better. I do like the Abram Star Treks, and he's. Are you a Trekkie or is that just Victoria? Um, I've started watching um, the Next Generation, and I, I do like it. I, I, I think who's in that one? Is that Whoopi Goldberg? No. Well, yes. Oh. Um, well, she's in later seasons. Oh. oh. 
She actually is a pretty minor character in Star Trek The Next Generation. Sorry. She gets talked about a lot, but that's fine. I love her character. Um, but that's with Captain Jean-Luc Picard yes. and Commander Riker and that's Will great. Wheaton as uh, the WW. Crusher. Yep, that's that's the Next Generation one. That was uh, the one that came out after the original series. Um, it debuted in the late 80s. How long were we together before I found out you were a Trekkie? Because you hit it. I don't, I don't think I... I Talk mean, I didn't Star really Wars hide more. much. On our first date, I asked you about your religion, social beliefs, and if you wanted children. So I don't <laughs> feel like we even hid much. No kids conservative. <laughs> <laughs> so we should really... I we, fucked up, man. We should really, <laughs> really rethink that through. You're not a Star Wars fan, are you? Are of course you, I am. Are you the Star Wars geek in the, of the two of you? Like, who's I, more Star Warsy? It's not a competition. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> we both enjoy I think the same we both like movies. Yeah, Star Wars a uh-huh. lot. No, I I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Superman. You mm, guys watch Smallville boy. together? No, we or watch something a lot worse we than watch, Smallville. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> it's a show called um, that Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Yes, okay. Starring Dean Cain and. Um, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. <laughs> it's a really bad show. I don't, oh, it's bad. <laughs> and I loved it when Very I was cheesy. 10. So we decided to watch all four seasons again when we were in college. <laughs> and it was, well, that's what we do. You know, we, well, it was when we four. lived together senior year. We had the, we had an apartment on campus. DVDs were a thing. Yeah, DVDs. So we'd make dinner, um, and then just watch a couple episodes of Lois and Clark and then do some homework. It was adorable. Did you practice kissing or was that later? That years? was, that was later that night. Okay. <laughs> that's because well, yeah. like, we shared a room. Let's just leave that on. Rub sessions. And... <laughs> I don't uh, think we ever actually kissed, even no. though there's all this, folklore about our, our lesbian relationship. That's Seriously, usually just no, me. Never happened. <laughs> it's Chris making up things in his mind. <laughs> Do gay people go to Providence College? I don't mean that to be mean. I just know it's like a Catholic school. So uh, No, pro- I did. Um, I was part of the feminist group on campus called Women Will, and we worked closely with the um, Gay and Straight Alliance. Um, I forget what they called what oh. they called on Providence College, but yeah, no, they they existed. They did. I, I think the point is, it's not mutually exclusive. Like, just because you're gay doesn't mean you can't be Catholic or conservative or something like that. It's a facet of you. You choose to believe what you want to believe. So, I mean, if your Catholicism is very important to me, and you happen to be homosexual, like that is your business. That's your concern. That's part of your life. I just wish that we as a society were more accepting and they wouldn't feel the need to divide themselves that way. That's, if that made any sense. Sweet. No, that was really <laughs> sweet. That's true. Is, there's, um, isn't there a sect of Christian churches or like progressive Christians are, are like more open to um, all sexualities? Um, yeah, I believe the um, in terms of any of the non-Catholic um, Christian yeah. churches. Um, Non-Baptist. Yeah, yeah non-Baptist. <laughs> so basically you're looking at your Congregationalists. <laughs> that's a really welcoming community, Episcopalian as well. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. Mormons, not so much. No. They're not no. Christian, though. Yes, they are. Yes, are they? they are. Yeah. yeah. All right. it's I, a... I don't know that. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, never listen to Chris Revel when he's talking about religion. He has no idea what he's Yeah, speaks. that's pretty true. <laughs> no, they're definitely Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I had a crush on a gay guy at Providence College. Do you remember that? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea he was gay. <laughs> was that because you're just oblivious, or they didn't want you to know that he was gay? Well, I don't, I don't think he was... Um, public about it, so yeah. I, I thought he was just being really nice to me. And <laughs> we're big supporters of the LBGT community in the show. Yay! 
you guys were college roommates. Yes, yes we and were. You were so nice today because you actually drove all the way down from Boston to yes, be on our show. I did. So thank you for that. That's well, super awesome. It's super huge. Well, I come down either way. Yeah, you I love yeah. him. We just you guys. promise you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that Victoria makes yeah. for you. I'll drive across the country for Victoria's cooking. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Me too. It's, it's really good. So come on the show. Everyone who's listening, Victoria will make you a meal. That's true. That's I do do that. Not true at all. It's, it's true now. It can be true. It can be true. Mike yeah. still uh, hounds you for those cookies. He does. He likes my cookies. <laughs> the ginger snaps? What are they called? Well, they're the molasses ginger cookies. Yeah. Ginger snaps. But yes, those are delicious. I feel like me and Lily always relate because like, we're so astonished by you and like, your family's cooking. That's true. Because we didn't grow up like with a personal pastry chef. It's very yeah. true. Patricia's not a, a professional one, but she could be. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from her. Oh, my She's God. Awesome. It's incredible. Like, she just is. when we have dinner here, it's like, oh, it's it's the best. Oh, can I just right. say, so last week was Mother's Day, and I had my mother and father and my brothers over, um, and I made brunch with my mother's help, and we also made dinner because we did a little activity in between. And I swear, at the end of that day, we had used every single pot, pan, dish, utensil, uh, plate, and dish in our entire house. Every, <laughs> I don't know how it's done. <laughs> to be fair, when your family comes up, every cup gets used. Every cup. Every, every plate, every cup. pot and pan. You know, I was even thinking, because um, we've had um, Brandon on a couple times we met, mm-hmm. uh, but you and him are from the same region. So we are, yeah. You're from, but you're from the, um, he's from Milford, you're from Hopkinton. Yes, I grew up in Hopkinton. Never heard of it in my entire life, <laughs> but now I know it's because it's the start of the Boston Marathon, it's like yes. your claim to fame. Yes. And it's a lovely little that's town. That's all we can say about it. <laughs> that's like your claim to fame? Yes, that's it. Remember when you're younger, like I remember, because I grew up in like um, Meriden, Connecticut, oh. which was not great. Not terrible, but I remember me go meeting kids in like wealthy towns around like in Connecticut. And be like nothing good ever happens here. It's so boring mm-hmm. as kids. But that really meant there was a low crime rate, and that's a really good thing. But when you're a kid, you for some reason crave that action and adventure. Yeah. But now as an adult, I was like, oh my god, I would love to own a house in like Cheshire or Hopkinton or one of these. I know they're nice beautiful. towns. Yeah, and like. Not that Maryland was like terrible, but I remember going to high school in Wallenford and hearing kids like nothing good ever happens here. It's like that's a really good thing. You <laughs> it don't is a want good thing. to be shot or something. We had a really terrible crime happen. Do you remember the Hopkington thing? No. Like Neil Entwistle, mm-hmm. he, he he killed him, his wife and his baby. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, it happened like I don't know, like ten. Not 10 years, but like six years ago or something. Oh my God, that's really sad. It was really sad. I like I go through Upton a lot, which is next to your town, which mm-hmm. is rated the most boring town in Massachusetts. It is. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. That's too good. It's good, good woods for walking, though. <laughs> I've been to your animal shelter a lot, mm-hmm. and it's really nice. It is really nice. I really like the people there. They're very nice. So you were um, Victoria's maid of honor. I was. I, I, I don't think we can get away with not talking about the wedding. It was kind, of, yeah. kind of a big deal for us. <laughs> a little bit. I showed up. <laughs> it was really about you guys. And you said a lot of words with feelings. Yeah. That's yeah. the only time I've ever cried in front of any one of the oh, like, that so many sweet. people ever. That was fun. You were a hell of a maid of honor, but you guys want to t- touch upon your bachelorette party that was so well organized? <laughs> no. You can cut out certain parts. That's a secret. <laughs> I know, Lily. Why? Secret? What have you heard? <laughs> well, well uh, I can't remember that gentleman's name, but he well, called. Well, I will say this. And Lily was the best maid of honor, and oh. she planned what was probably the most organized and fun bachelorette party in the history of bachelorette parties. Oh. It was just a good time. It was not a big group of us. There were probably like five or six of us. Yeah. 
And um, Lily drove me down to New York City. She found a great hotel there. And we went to this really great Italian restaurant for dinner. And then afterwards, uh, after dinner, we went to this very classy establishment called Hunko Mania, where for some reason the men are not allowed to wear clothing. Um, so that was odd, but like very entertaining. I never wear clothing. <laughs> That's true. I, I was hiding behind Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and when, and you know, because it was a bachelorette party, I mean, we were drinking a lot, and they have, you know, because in a place like Hunko Mania, I just like saying Hunko Mania. Um, it's very much about like bachelorette parties. So they, you take turns, like all the bachelorettes get to go up on stage and they dance in front of you. And the, the stripper like lifted me up in his arms. And I had to like take the biggest shower to wash off all the body oil that I had on me after that. So this whole podcast episode is really just a ruse to find out what happened that night. <laughs> I told you what it happened. This is what we call gotcha journalism. I'm pretty sure I Instagrammed half yeah. of this event. <laughs> like I photo mapped. Yeah. Uncle Mania. <laughs> but because I didn't say it was a fun night. Lily planned a great night. It was Aww. so much fun. We did Uncle Mania and then went to a couple bars around the area afterwards and had a very lovely brunch the day after. Like mm. it was just a great time. Well, you totally deserve it. Thank you. So you had fun too, I hope, Lily. I, I did. I was a little overwhelmed by Uncle <laughs> Mania. That's that's not really my scene. Yeah. But Well, um, this is the whole idea of just being in New York because like yeah. Victoria here grew up in the like, North Jersey. North like New York doesn't have that special aura to it like it does for like Lily and I who didn't grow up near it. Right. Yeah. So like it still feels that way. I'm like, oh my god, it's overwhelming. Fine, we have to drive in the city, we won't find parking. Actually we always try to find parking. We're not paying for parking. Oh I know. (laughs) That's so great. And then the um, even leading up to the wedding, you were so calm and very helpful. And you were good for Victoria's (laughs) men don't do much. That's true. It's funny. We went out to dinner with a couple of friends last night and they mentioned the Jack-O-Lantern Spectacular <laughs> at Roger Williams Park Zoo that happens in October. It's mm-hmm. like this awesome thing that, you know, they make thousands of Jack-O-Lanterns and really artistic stuff. And then Chris is like, oh, yeah, we didn't go last year. I was like, yeah, well, I was a little busy last October <laughs> planning a wedding. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true, though. But no, Lily was absolutely like the center of my calmness. Like oh. I could always call her and get advice or just have a nice little rant sesh. And she always calmed me down and was super helpful and did a ton, you know, like the entire month of August, I swear she was just like at my beck and call. Like she came to my bridal shower. She organized an amazing bachelorette party and things like that. So it was just, it was great. We made you travel a ton cause you live in Boston <laughs> and then like the bridal showers in Connecticut, the bachelorette party was in New York the engagement party uh, was the, in New Jersey, but that was the year before. The year before, but the yeah. uh, rehearsal dinner was at our place, mm-hmm. and the next day we went all the way down. I know, poor Lily. Yeah. I had her get here at like eight a.m. the I day know. of the wedding, we and she had to so drive great. down from Boston. So I'm sure you were up at like six that day. And yeah, and I took the GREs. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. yeah. When so while all this is happening, yeah. the students went over here is studying for the GREs, and of course she's such a dedicated student, so she I was know. working so hard. Oh. Do you oh, want to announce amazing. the good news on here? I mean, it's up to you. Sure, I'm. I'm going to be starting a doctorate program in clinical psychology um, so at the Massachusetts School of Professional Psychology in the That's fall. That's so cool. Yeah. We just got, to, was it two weeks ago we got to, was it last week? No, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. ago. We got, your, your, your family so nice. And Thank they you. had that nice dinner for you with all your, yeah. fr- and your friends, all, all the friends, we just call them like Lily's friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> at your birthday party, like we always see them. Yeah. Everyone, all your friends also are just so nice. I know, they're, they're amazing. And night. Utah Quest, I said hello. I will. Every time. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the, the, the love's dog. I know, me He's too. So He's sweet. so cute. That's so fun so you're going in for clinical psychology mm-hmm. do i have to call you dr chun for out on 
Well, because I'm, you know, I'm going to, <laughs> I like to refer to people. Not for four years, no, but you really don't years. have to call me doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to. <laughs> that's so exciting. Are you? That must be like. I can't even imagine something like that. So you love this. You actually like school. You're one of I really people. do like school. Yeah, yeah I like so learning. Like I there, it's like, well, I, I was definitely done with school because I did a bachelor's and then I went into right into my master's program for a year. So um, I definitely was ready to take a break after that. Was the master's like going from undergrad to grad? I know it's not like fun because it's not like grads. And while undergrad's a lot of work, it's still living on campus and yeah. drinking sometimes. But grad school is like you're probably like, working a job or just like it's just school and then that's it. Well, it was really um, exhausting because I was doing like a, I think three days a week in intern, full yeah, internship yeah. Um, in Hop. Well, I was living with my parents in Hoppington yeah. at the time. So, and then I was commuting to Boston t- two days a week for classes. So wow. all of that was very exhausting. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. So this is all before I met you, right? Yeah. Way before. Oh, yeah. And that was our first year out of college. Yeah. She went right into the master's program. It's just so program. cute that you guys were roommates and then are still friends. This oh, cute. Yeah. I will say Lily was one of the easiest people to live with that I lived with in college. Better than yeah. me? Oh, so much better than you. <laughs> Lily doesn't streak across the living room when I'm trying to watch television. No, I don't <laughs> do Never that. give her any munition. <laughs> and I got uh, Victoria hooked on white noise to help yeah, you sleep. Oh my gosh, that was life changing. <laughs> she even bequeathed her fan to me. Um, she moved out, the, out of college the day before I did. And I was like, oh no, how am I going to be able to sleep? I won't have the fan. And she goes, here, keep the fan. <laughs> <laughs> and so Aww. I used that fan for a while until I finally somebody gave me a white noise machine and I haven't looked back since. I just love That's it so much. So I love it too. So you guys been friends since sophomore year of college? Uh, friends since junior. Yeah. Junior. Yeah, we All knew right. each other sophomore year a what little bit. What year are we talking then? That would have been 2005 five into six. Yeah. Wow, I don't want to do that math right now because I'm going to screw it up. Okay. It's <laughs> 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 like, well, that's a... Uh, <laughs> nine years. That's so sweet. Yeah. Then that's so like... I mean, you really are the Ann Perkins and Leslie Nope. Like, we you're, are. You're gal pals. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're little gal pals. Every day before Valentine's Day, Victoria and I, you're or usually Victoria are. remembers, acknowledges Valentine's Day, yep. which is from Parks and Rec. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah. And a lot of people don't get, like, that full college experience where, like, I always had that, like, oh, I'll become my freshman roommate and we'll be friends forever. And yeah. God, I hated happen. my freshman year roommate. <laughs> I got kicked out. Oh, wow. We're never going to class. That would do it. Oh. But except they were always in the room I lived in, so it kind of sucked. But it forced me to go out and socialize a lot more because I didn't mm-hmm. want to be in my room. Yeah. But I went to the library a lot more. I'm just drinking a lot of wine Yeah, I'm no, nervous. please. The more drunk you are, the better. <laughs> I still have to cook dinner after this. I should I slow down. <laughs> so, Dr. Chuns, when do you start your program? Um, I think I, I remember you telling us, but that was when we had your... Uh, your, your, the parent, the dinner your parents brought your your brother had brought in your little niece. Yes, and I just don't remember much because I remember just playing with the. She just was looking at her, uh, what was Doctor Wiggles? He calls her <laughs> Professor Wiggles. Professor. Well, oh. I think her. She's like Captain Wiggles, but I think you oh. changed it cleverly I was, I, to Professor I, I, unintentionally. Wiggles. She is so cute. She is so cute. You're such a natural. You both like babies too much. Yes, love I'm it. Just <laughs> Very true. So cute. Well, it's funny because you became an aunt right around when me and Victoria became exactly. an uncle. Exactly. Like yeah. It's, it's that fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a cool thing. You're like, you, I don't know. It's just, it makes me feel even more adult than I did just mm-hmm. to have that title now to be a little auntie and a little uncle. Like it definitely, it changes. And mm-hmm. like, it feels no, good though. We, like, you know, you guys have known each other for nine years mm-hmm. and all these different life changes. And now no. it's like, you know her as an aunt and you get to see like, and you probably, you know, you're friends with someone, you know, their family. Mm-hmm. So you get to see those life changes they go through. It's- yeah. I remember, um, 
you know, I met Lily's brother when he was really young because, um, you know, I'd go over to her house uh, sometimes during the summer. And, like, he's younger than you, so, like, yeah. he was he was young. Yeah. So now to see him as a dad, I was so he was so happy and so good with his daughter. That was awesome. There's something yeah. nice about seeing dads that love their kids. Yeah, it is. it's, like, so much of media is, like, how men are portrayed. Like, they, you don't like, the, like that 1950s view of you don't like your kids, you don't like your wife, and I don't know what they like. They hate their job. They pretty much hate everything. Right. Without, like, right. that kind of, like, the... The turnaround, like, it's just so nice, like, when my dad is with my brother's, well, first off, my brother with his son, cutest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. And then when my dad sees his grandson, it's like, I can't even, it's so funny. It's mm-hmm. like an outpouring of emotion. But seeing, like, you with a little... Oh, thank you. Lila. Lila, you got it right. I screwed up. Little Lila. It's just yeah. so funny. And yeah. But now it's like we get to know our friend as an aunt. Thank Which you. Is so sweet. It is really nice. She's mm-hmm. so cute. She so is. you start your grad programs, uh, doctorate program. Wow, <laughs> Dr. Chun. Ah, uh, no, Dr. Chun in the building. <laughs> so you start that soon, though, right? In the September. Yeah, probably the end of August. Oh, wow. So you leave, and you're leaving your job. Yes. You don't, we don't sad. say where we work just for everyone, just just to be smart. Uh huh. But I know you've. And you're really close with all your coworkers. So I am. This is a big change. Isn't it is a hard? really big change. It's really sad because it's like. The, the strongest community I've ever had. So mm-hmm. it will be really sad to it's leave. It's so hard leaving jobs. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, I'm very likely leaving where I am because I think I'm get, pretty sure I'm getting a promotion. Oh, which, that's so thank exciting. You. Um, so I have my second interview next week. And if it goes well, like I'll still work for the same place, but I'll be moving somewhere else. Yeah. Like so much of my social life is like my colleagues. Like we all become friends. So yeah. That's so hard. And you love where you I know you love where you work. I do. Yeah, I really that's, love it. And the people are just like my second family. It really feels like I've We've been there. A bunch of them, right? Yes, we have. Your coworkers are yeah. so nice. Well, most of them have become my closest friends. Yeah. So. <laughs> when you graduate college, if, yeah. you have, if you're fortunate enough to like, go to college and have that experience, like it gets hard to meet people, though. Like, mm-hmm. where do you. Like, I'm not a bar person. And you don't go to a bar and meet a dude, and like, hey, man, you want to hang out tomorrow? <laughs> like, it's not socially acceptable to go to someone's house. I just watch TV all day if you don't if you just met unless it's us yes. because sometimes we do Sherlock and community marathons <laughs> My, those are great days I those know. are in Victoria you know, Cooks all day there's <laughs> so many things you could do in college that are so unacceptable like you can't wear sweatpants and go uh, to eat breakfast like to the grocery store now and not feel awful about it right <laughs> right that's Where, like, true all your friends aren't just uh, at your beck and call like on your floor mm-hmm. like, yeah. my friend James lived th- one of my closest friends lived like three doors down from me mm-hmm. and now we live three hours away so. yeah yeah, I think that's a hard part about leaving college, too, because you're so used to your community being so close to you. And, you know, once I graduated college, like, I had friends go all over the continental U.S., and who I've only seen once or twice since. So it's, it's, it's definitely it's so a change. Hard. But then you build up a community where you work and where you live. Yeah. You know. I like... It takes time, though. I li- yeah. I'm, I definitely enjoy it. I think I'm pretty lucky, because uh, we started dating, and then I met you at... I met you and I went to Water Fire for the first time, which I had never been to Water Fire, mm-hmm. nor knew what a Water Fire was. And I'm pretty sure later on you're like, if Lily didn't like you, I was going to get rid of you. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were the final, final test. Oh. So. Yeah, because I think you had met my parents at that point, Is by that point you as well. You didn't care what they thought. No. Well, they liked you right away, so. Yeah. But I was like, oh, he's got to pass the Lily test. <laughs> I met your parents and then like for like a few seconds because we were running somewhere. Mm-hmm. To a concert, and then the next day we had breakfast together. Yep. And your dad read the paper, didn't grill me at all. Oh wow! And then your mom just and you talked about food the entire time. The whole time I was like in a panic, waiting to be like grilled, like so. Mm-hmm. That's they, not how we roll. Did not care at all. And <laughs> years later, John was our first guest. 
He was. And so. now uh, Chris and my older brother are like besties and they text all the time. And, and that's been on here too. Yeah. And Alex and Patricia are next. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Alex is uh, our next one. Or I don't know when. I don't know. Scheduling's a nightmare to get everyone down mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. So to quote you, would you say leaving your job is a little T? Oh, no. Oh, boy. Victoria gets so mad when you tell me things. <laughs> <laughs> Only because Lily is very intelligent, very smart, um, and knows what she's talking about. Uh, and Unlike then when we me. talk about things, and then you clip on to these little like phrases of hers and then bring them up in conversation all the time. You want to sound smart like Lily? Aww. <laughs> she's a doctor. That's very she's going to be Dr. Chun. Oh, a doctor. <laughs> Do you, should I just explain what you're referencing? I would love it because I kind of forgot and I really liked when you told me that. <laughs> oh, God. But your passion is trauma. My passion is trauma, yes. How traumatic. Oh. Every time I say that, Victoria just gives me that look. I'm rolling my eyes right you now. I like puns around here, but you have. So how, explain to me where your passion for trauma came. Because I, I love when you talk. One of the, ba- the best things about I love doing the show is I like talk with people mm-hmm. and just find out what they're passionate about and Mm-hmm. And you could have someone like, even like your father is very quiet. You find something he likes, just comes alive. Mm-hmm. So what is it about, about trauma that just gets you all hot and bothered? <laughs> Wrong word <Ew>. choice. <laughs> well, my um, area that I work in is children's mental health. Um, I do family therapy for children and their families. And usually the children have a mental health, di- or they have to have a mental health diagnosis to qualify for my services. So... Um, I guess, you know, I wasn't really sure what I would be interested in when I started my work after I got my master's. I just really liked working with kids and really found psychology interesting. And I really like social work because it's all about um, the person in the environment, whereas psychology is more about like the medical model of making uh, mental health problems more of a physical mm-hmm. or medical problem. And so that's why I actually majored in social work was um, I really like the idea that um, we consider the environment and how that affects people and not just like these individual organisms that have problems with them. Um, so that's like kind of where I started out. And my parents are really <laughs> passionate people about mm-hmm. these kind of ideas too. Yeah. Um, so I had like a lot of philosophy and, you know, sociology and stuff when I was growing up. So um, all of that kind of impacted me. And as, as I was working, I just find that um, it's very popular um, right now to diagnose kids with bipolar disorder um, mm. and ADHD, um, you know, depressant, depression, all that stuff. But bipolar seems to be one of them like, and mood disorder seems to be the popular thing right now. And it just really concerns me because the kids I work with, they have this diagnosis. And then when you find out more about their lives, they've had incredible experiences of trauma. And it just doesn't make sense that we're saying that this, these people have this lifelong illness that um is a real illness that when we see and there's all this research about how trauma can create similar symptoms that looks like bipolar and so i just think that um we're giving kids all these medications for a mood disorder or adhd or whatever and a lot of the times i really believe the trauma is really what has created the symptoms that they're having and not the like not an organic mental illness um and so i just think I don't know, and that's one of the things I'm interested in studying is why is there a resistance to this idea? Um, Because, I mean, I I think part of it is that means we have to change society and we have to change the families that these kids are growing up in Mm -hmm. um, in order to fix the problem instead of just giving them a pill and saying that they have to figure out how to manage their mental illness, you know? Uh Um, But anyway, yeah, so I just love the idea of trying to 
better understand what what's causing these issues with kids and how to and how to treat it in a, b- a more effective way because I don't think it's very effective to just label it a mood disorder and act like they have to learn coping skills and that's the end of the story you know no that's amazing wow that's wow I have to process all that that was really good so you that's I mean from the conversations we've had with people and like I work in mental health as well like you always find that it always tends to be like when I have to read like a history of a person like it's like Say diagnosed schizophrenia, and then on top of all that, then raped, uh, molested, sexually abused, exactly. neglected, blah, 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 blah. And I guess the, the trauma is the thing that is always neglected to overlook. And do you think, and that, I don't want to get like political about it. Obviously, there's like ties to corporations. Well, we'll get into the rich strikers later because I have that down. Okay. Yeah, with uh, pharmaceutical companies. But I'm trying to word this right, but it's, I think that's very. So there's definitely a, a surgence of like diagnosis of ADHD, and I probably well, I think you really kind of saw that in like the early '90s. Yes, that was like popular for a while. Our generation of like I was born in '84, mm-hmm. of, so of of that, and well, you know, obviously people do have ADHD. Right, know, there are people who are bipolar, but right. I do feel like there's just too many people on medications to make sense because I just saw a statistic yesterday that 50 percent of Americans are on prescription medications. That's crazy, I mean, and those are drugs that can kill you. Right, like. Can you, so do you have any examples of, without using names or even anyone in specific, of an, say in your line of work you would meet a child who has been diagnosed with bipolar, but so the symptoms appear bipolar by like a psychiatrist, but maybe in reality it's just they were beat like their whole life, and that could be more like, put, so is it wrong diagnosis or just like, well, I'm not I sure mean, if I'm wording this correctly. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and there's a lot of more subtle examples I could give, but just to kind of... I, I think that most people that do the nonprofit work that I'm doing are, are really doing it from their, you know, from a good place and from their heart. Um, but just to give a kind of a more extreme example, I have worked and there used to be a psychiatrist that worked in the area where I work and she, who's no longer working in my catchment area, luckily, but um, who was giving kids the diagnosis of bipolar disorder because she was doing a study on bipolar medication. Um, so, for example, I worked with a um, six-year-old who um, had extreme trauma, who um, his mother was a drug addict, um, and there's a ton of domestic violence from the day he was born. And then his mother overdosed and had extreme brain damage. And so he was adopted by his aunt and uncle. Um, And so he still had to see his mom like once a week, but she was extremely disabled mentally from this drug overdose. Um, And so he was just like really angry and really aggressive and didn't have good control over himself. And I mean, looking at that life story, I I think it's, I don't understand how anyone could say that that's bipolar disorder. I mean, this kid has had extreme, like every single attachment and every single important thing in his life has been ruined and taken away from him. So, you know, I just, I just, I didn't know that we diagnose kids that young. Oh yeah. They diagnose kids like that four years old with mood disorder. Are kids just being kids? Right. I was not right. a perfect child by any means. I mean, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD, I think accurately. Right. <laughs> but like, at what point is like, I never saw any, none of the, God, the worst thing that happened to me at that age is like, uh, in kindergarten, someone stole my Ninja Turtles wallet. Yeah. <laughs> and which is nothing. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was, well, it was very traumatic. Cause right. Was, Go ahead and call that a little T. That's a little T. <laughs> that's a little T. But that affected me. And how much would you say like these things even get related into like uh, the class system? Because like, at least with the people I work with, it always feels like it's always 
the poorest of the people who get these type, not the abuse and things of that nature, but they get stuck, sucked up into the system. Oh, exactly. And I think that's what I mean is that instead of making this be an individual problem, we really have to look at it from the family, but also from society. And that I think poverty is one of the biggest things that creates this problem because when you're living in poverty, you have so much more stress and stress is not good for people. It's been clearly proven that that's not good for people. And it and it, and then there's this thing called intergenerational trauma where you have one family and the parents are really stressed by poverty so they don't end up providing a very good family life for that kid. And then that kid goes and doesn't know how to be very good parents to yeah. their kids. And it kind of just passes on um, one generation to the next. And if you're working three jobs and you're being babysat by a sketchy neighbor or, you know, like any of those kind of situations, it there's does... A term for those kids, though. Latchkey kids. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's also, like, I think what you brought up of is even if you have a great family, a great, you know, town that you live in, like, some people are just different. And I think it's traumatic that we don't address people's individual differences that like the school system and everything really expects everyone to be exactly the same and to learn exactly the same and so if you have a kid who has a lot of energy and really likes moving and being outside why can't we educate kids in that way instead of forcing kids to sit at their desk and be still Mm -hmm. all day long i mean that's not good i don't see how that's good for kids and and not everyone learns the same so why are we forcing that and saying that you have adhd or whatever you know like what like if, if someone you know doesn't learn that way why are we forcing them to try and learn that way Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that was really good. I had a point and I was trying to think of something and I forgot what I was going to say. Wow. That, I was actually. Well, asking, I mean, we've said yeah. the, the phrase little T and big T, so I don't know yeah. if Lily also wants to explain that. Oh, she's, yeah. She's explained it to us, so we know what that means, but yeah, I don't I think it's real. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so um, the, just the idea that there's different categories of trauma and the way people think about trauma. So I think the most common understanding of trauma is from war. Um, so that's where the diagnosis PTSD came yeah. from is, um, from war veterans. So in being developed that way, um, you know, so the idea of trauma being a really, um, life threatening event, is kind of the, the traditional definition. And so what, that's what we call a big T trauma. So, mm-hmm. you know, extreme physical abuse, war, um, a car accident, you know, really extreme in nine 11, like those kind of things are considered big T traumas and little T traumas might be things like, um, lose my wallet. And can I get <laughs> exactly. It was probably stolen. Um, or, um, you know, like, um, seeing your parents be drunk all the time, but maybe they're not abusing you, but they're, you, they're drunk all the time or is that big T or little T little T. Um, okay. Yeah. So or my tea wasn't really at all a tea. No, no, it it's could more be. Like I, the only memory I have of <laughs> kindergarten. That I, uh, I mean, and I think these experiences are different for different people. Yeah. Um, but it, it could also be like experiences of racism or homophobia or sexism can also be little tea traumas because they're not traditional sense of what trauma is, but they have an impact on people that's really negative. Well, so many things you don't even, I never think of. Uh, I'm sure you two, even just from being women, you have to think about and worry about that. And I was a caucasian white male so the idea of being raped or someone not liking me because of my skin color or my sexuality has never come into my mind unless i have gone through unless it come up like brought to me but i just can't even imagine like what just like women have to go through like there's always that fear of rape like right but you have had your wallet stolen so yeah that's true (laughs) that that must have been tough and it was like a really cool ninja turtles one (laughs) they have velcro Yes. That's cool. And it was like when the first... What exactly were you person, carrying in a wallet when you were in Because it had Ninja Turtles on it. Yeah, but did you have anything in it? I don't, I don't know. 
<laughs> well, to make it better, my parents were awesome and got me a cool Mario uh, reflector one that moved the mushroom up and down. Oh, so, that's cool. I didn't know if it had anything in it. I just had Ninja Turtles on it. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I made a good point Nerd. and you ruined it. <laughs> no, that was real so sweet. But one thing I like going back because I'm also obsessed with that, like the class system. Like um, David mm-hmm. Simon, who created The Wire, refers to um, the show of showing like people in Baltimore as like the other America, which is exactly. always um, we always kind of ignore. Like, well, I don't like disagree that it's important that like the middle class is shrinking and all that, and I'm glad that there's finally attention towards poverty. But it is a little annoying that when people who were mostly Caucasian and upper to middle class start to like slip a little, we all kind of freak out, which is really good, so I'm not against that. Yeah. But what about for those people in this country alone who mm-hmm. have like the Detroits, the Baltimores, or like, you know, the latchkey kids who grew up with, or like... Well, and, I mean, like not that. for nothing, but we're in Providence, like... Yeah, West End. I mean, you don't have to talk about like Baltimore or um, Detroit. I yeah. mean, you can talk about inner city Providence. We have a huge refugee community, which is just perpetuates that cycle of poverty. You know, that's something that exists in every city and, in and every town state. too. Yeah, in town. Yeah, because you even find it with Caucasian folk too. But we um, jokingly always call that trailer trash. Mm-hmm. But like, if you really think of it, it's really sad. Like, you don't even mm-hmm. have a home. You live mm-hmm. in a trailer, and like, your life. Well, sucks. and as somebody who works. Um, for an organization that helps adults with developmental disabilities, um, talking about those traumas and how they impact life. Like, you know, I have, well, not personally, but our organization helps clients who, because of a trauma that happened, you know, maybe when they were infants or even older and it resulted in traumatic brain injury or um, some other kind of injury that affected them for the rest of their lives, which gave them that developmental disability. You know, and that's one instance of trauma that dramatically changed their life forever. Can you touch upon the lad school for those who aren't aware of it? Do you um, know I it? don't know a lot about it. I can mention it. Um, the lad school was an institution for individuals that was, um, I don't know exactly when it was open. I know it was towards the um, beginning of the 20th century, I believe, and it just closed in the um, early 1990s, I believe. So it was open for a long time. The Lad School was basically, um, and for a long time, it was thought to be the only place where you could um, house individuals with those physical, developmental, and mental disabilities safely. Um, but as um, I'm sure Lily knows, and you, we both know, working with this population, having them in an institutionalized setting does not help individuals it doesn't make anybody be more safe it doesn't help them along and help have them live their best lives it's a really terrible um, place to grow up in because there's no family there's no love there's no care you're sitting in a room with 50 other people um, being supervised by two other people doing the same thing day in and day out Um, but it was thought at the time it was thought to be the only solution Mm -hmm. towards the 1970s is when um, smaller settings, um, which we would call group homes now, began popping up, and those were community-based services where uh, you know you had a bigger staff and you know four or five individuals living in a home, um, and you would have in, um, the staff of that group home have the task of caring for those individuals, to, you know, physically help assisting with daily living skills, and also encouraging them to make their own decisions, to make their own life choices, to do what they want to do, and to act in any way you or I would act that helps them to have their best lives possible. I think I'm all for the group home, that idea, or like community settings, and also like economically, 
it's great when you aren't paying to have someone. A, they shouldn't be there in the first place. But like economically, you're not paying for someone to live in a an institution which the taxpayer is paying for, which is yeah. First off, it's awful like the lad school. But like, cause I work, we worked for the same agency for a time, and I was a I worked with those people hands on living in the community. Mm-hmm. So there were there was people who were in lad school. But when I, by the time I met them as adults, they were living in their own apartments, and some of them even had jobs. So you're creating jobs for the caretakers, those wonderful nonprofits that you work for, and the individuals themselves. Like they were employed. Like some of the people I worked with were employed and and taxpayers, and they were part of the community. Yeah, well, it's just about creating a situation where those people are able to live their the way they want to live and to make their own choices, which is a basic human right. No, yeah, it's great for the person and it ends up being great for the community as a whole mm-hmm. and then also like if just so think of the people who live in in the neighborhood of a group home mm-hmm. and you can grow up uh, um who actually very famously the Fairley brothers who did like dumb and dumber and stuff mm-hmm. uh hearing them talk they grew up with uh someone with a developmental disability in their neighborhood as children and they said just growing up with that and that was normal because that person wasn't in the lab they weren't anywhere else and then that was just that was how they've always viewed their life. And then they make movies sometimes with focus of those characters. Sometimes they're met with criticism. But to them, it's just like it was just their friend. And you get to grow up with that comfort of like... Yeah, well, uh, I think the difference um, now focusing on the community-based services, which is also something that Lily does. Yeah. Um, she is really the front line of community-based services um, that she provides for her clients. Um, and it's just about having individuals from all walks of life and all areas and all abilities and disabilities and who've had various situations in their life like this is a part of the human experience this is part of life so when we take away that stigma and just make it what it is and the more we're exposed to it the you know not different people but uniqueness of the human spirit the more it becomes part of our experience and then we're not so quick to be afraid of something different or to judge others harshly so i think that was something that the um Focusing on community-based services mm. really opened up for us. That's and it's, it's a shame that it's not, you know, that we're still so stuck sometimes as a community, you know, being afraid of something new or different. Um, and we can't really make that next step in human evolution and realize that all of this is part of the same unique human experience and it's nothing to be afraid of. That's really beautiful. Thank you. I've had a couple of glasses of wine, so let's see. No, it's good for everyone. It's good for the individuals. It's great for the community as a whole. So the people you are working with are living in the community. Yes, all of the people that I live with have to work, so live great. in the community so for cool. our services. Is it hard at the end of the day, like not taking that stuff home with you? Because that's something I've struggled with in it the is. past. It's really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, what are some of your um, coping strategies to deal with that? <laughs> well, I wish I had better coping strategies. Um, I think... Um, Unfortunately, TV has become, or not unfortunately, but it's just... I love television, I and I love the escape it provides. But I do you think, you know, TV and books are really a good escape. Um, I love listening to podcasts on the way home, or NPR is like a good thing to get my mind off of it. Well, Pat, well, you listen to other, you actually listen to our show and still agreed to come on. Yes. So thank you. But what, who else do you listen to? Um, I re- my favorite is um, Radio Lab. Um, that's Jay my and Rob. Yep, ja- and um, Robert Kovich. Yes, definitely. But I told you. Um, chew your food, um, then yeah. continue speaking. We'll, we're gonna keep that in. <laughs> I was driving home from work one time, and it was pouring rain. And there was an episode of Radio Lab that was on mm-hmm. with um, 
It was a young couple in their 20s, and she. And you must, I think we might have heard this episode. I think we've talked about it. And remember, uh, she gets hit by a bus on a bicycle, and she's in the hospital. Oh, yeah, and, and she, she can't deaf. communicate. And then they end up communicating by uh, after he had saw the miracle worker, so he starts, like, poking her, and they thought she was... They are about to pull the plug, and this yeah. girl was going to die. That show can get you... <laughs> I know, it's so emotional. But they tie in science into, like, this oh, really yeah. emotional, moving, you know, it's just a beautifully done show. Oh, you're the one that turned me on to Radio Lab. I just realized that. Yeah. Because you said the first one to listen to is the Colors episode. Yeah, did you like that one? Oh, man. Yeah. I love Radio Lab yeah. and This American Life. Yes, I, I like that, too. I listen to a lot of NPR. Yeah. That's <laughs> bad. Are there other podcasts you listen to besides NPR? Well, I um, I'm just always looking for new ones. I don't download any ones, but I, the ones like I like, um, I really like um, On Point with Tom Ashbrook. It's on yeah. in the mornings. No, it's, um, he's just really, really smart. And um, is some he t- in a wheelchair, or is that, I'm thinking of somebody different? No, that was the other guy. I can't think of his name. Um, but the, the, he's just really intelligent, and like yeah. sometimes he has really random shows that I don't really like. But mm. often he has ones about politics, and like he actually hosted an event in Concord that I went to a couple years ago where he interviewed like Larry Lessig, who's one of my favorite. Um, oh, Lawrence Lessing? Yeah. Who's one of my favorite. Oh, I um, love him. Good writers. segue. Perfect segue. <laughs> um, I first became aware of him of, um, a, I think probably the Colbert Report. Yeah. He's been interviewed on a and couple of those daily shows. Uh, I saw him on, I think, no, uh, there's a documentary called Re- um, Remix Manifesto. It's about copyright infringement. And he was uh, one yeah. of the people in there. Yeah, he's really big into copyright stuff, too. And he wrote a book, which mm-hmm. I, I read some of it, and it was really great. And then I saw him on The Daily Show and Colbert. Yep. And then I think we had, and then I think now, he, would you like to explain what he's up to? Because I know you are part of that organization. Yeah, so he um, is really now, he's turned his focus more to political reform. Um, and his big idea is to try and get money out of politics because it's so corrupting. Um, so he founded this organization called Root Strikers and. I volunteered with them for a time and I got to meet him, which was really great. And um, I just think he's very smart. And I mean, so I think he, the thing is that and he kind of acknowledges this, that like there's a bunch of ways to do this and there's not like the perfect way. It's all it's all a process. And it's, you know, so but he, in his book, Republic Lost, he, it's a really good book. And he highlights some of the, the, you know, the key ways that we could try and remove money from politics and or at least lessen the influence of money in politics to you know, remove the corruption. So did you hear about the walk across New Hampshire? He did to raise. Yes. Yeah. I listened to that on um, NPR and what a cool guy. I know. There's one. First off, he's a Harvard lawyer, Harvard professor, Harvard Harvard, law professor, Harvard law, Harvard law professor. I believe he's a Harvard graduate as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a very, very intellectual human being. He's friends with Obama. Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. But he was friends with Obama. Yeah. Friends with Obama, like such an intellect. And to see someone with that passion towards a cause, but, you know, like, and no offense to any activist, but it was just such a cool idea. And I don't think he's the first one to do it, but to, to the idea of doing something so physical with yeah. activism. Like, he walked across New Hampshire. I know other there's other people. There's an wo- older woman, I can't remember her name, who had walked across country. So oh, I can't remember. Dad told me about her. Well, but. there's, um when I was growing up, like I mentioned, my parents are really really passionate people and so um yeah. one thing that that I, what i was so cool that was so cool that laurie lessig did this is because when i was a kid i was um, a volunteer at this organization in sherburn mass called the peace abbey and um they were an organization that really promoted peace and i don't know if you've ever driven by it but they have like this huge gandhi statue and um 
And there's this famous story in Massachusetts about Emily the cow. It's really, really silly, but oh, tell it, tell but it. basically in Hopkinton, where I grew up, there's a um, butcher shop, I guess, which I had no idea, but there's a, on this like outskirts of town and this cow escaped um, the butcher shop and, or, you know, the butchery or whatever it's called. And um, the Peace Abbey like rescued this cow and kept it because they're a vegan um, institution or they were, they're not, they're not around anymore, but so they like kept the cow and like rescued it. And like, it became like this big symbol for vegetarians. Um, so anyway, so one of the things they used to do is called Stonewalk. And what they would do is they'd get this big stone, this huge big stone, and they would engrave on an unknown civilians killed in war. And they would walk really long distances and they would like all be carrying the stone. So they would walk, um, like my brother did it once where they walked from like Sherburne to Boston. They walked from like Sherburne to Washington DC with the stone. They walked. Your like, brother did that? Not he didn't go oh, to Washington oh, DC. He did the one to Boston. But wow, um, that's but intense. They've done it like in like almost every major country where wars have happened, like in Japan yeah. and Ireland, and you know, so they, they just a really inspirational idea of like putting this really physical action into your activism to represent like the hardship that these problems create. You know. So you grew up with activism. Like, I did. Right? I went to a lot of protests. I met your father was with Victoria. We were together. Yep. Uh, we went to that rally in Boston, mm-hmm. the march. Yeah, the Occupy like, Boston. Occupy Boston march. Like, yeah. What a cool dad. It was. That's really sweet. It was really cool. Remember, we were all standing in front of Bank of America. Shame. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I've never done anything quite like that. It was really cool. Are you still involved with Root Strikers, like, in any form, even, like, just, like, keeping up with what they've been up to? Yeah. I, like, I'm on their mailing list, and I sign all their petitions, and I watch the the Larry Lessig, like, TED Talks and stuff like that. I know right now, just with uh, the most recent Supreme Court decision. I know. um, And then even the most recent rule in that they're going to allow Bitcoin. The, uh, politicians can be accept Bitcoin oh my as a. I think a guy who was called store or said something. He's like, "What won't they?" I know. Like, I mean, Bitcoin is the preferred currency of drug dealers and human traffickers oh. and gun trafficking. It's. It, wow. I don't understand how. It, I have no idea. It's untraceable money now to politicians. Yeah. Uh, but they're allowed to take blood money now too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Whatever. No, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically it. So, what are they uh, trying to do? I mean, they know they're meeting some resistance because that. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that jackass John Roberts. Yeah. Fuck him. I know. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great fight, and I think. There's been I just listened to a podcast with Shepard Ferry who's very involved I in love strikers. Them. Oh, that's what I wanted. Yeah I, yeah, I do too. He's a really interesting guy. Yeah, he really I didn't is know, amazing. He's a Providence cat. He yeah, he is. Team. Yeah, he yeah. started the street art in Providence. He started the Obey with Andre the Giant. Here yes, and then was sued. I saw his um, first um, professional like um, art museum showing at the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston. Oh, a man. couple like five or six years ago. Oh, wow. That was really amazing. And, yeah, um, moving. And, and he was, I think he was put in jail around the same time. He was? For what? For illegal street art, street art yeah. stuff. Oh, I, I, I want, but what is uh, the Root Strikers? Like, I, how do you even begin getting money out of politics? Like, you really have to, I mean, that's grassroots as it gets. I mean, you have to go to every, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I, I get their emails. Yeah. I think they're really interested. Well, if anyone is really listening that's really interested, I think Larry Lessig's book, Republic Lost, really explains the yeah. different options really well. Um, I mean, there's the idea of a constitutional amendment, um, which would be, I think, the best way, but it would be really, I mean, they're, they're hard to, to pass. Yes. So um, it's the idea, like, 
completely remove money from politics or at least go back to the point where there's a minimum of like 25 a corporation can only give a certain amount or well i think that would be for the like the constitutional amendment yeah. process to decide i don't think yeah. there has to be a specific way to do it it would just be around you know like that people really are the the ones making the decisions of who's elected and clearly yeah. that's not happening when there's well, so much got, money that, well no anyone can donate to anyone Right. Yeah, like, well, we were watching something the other day about mm-hmm. that big fight in. Uh... Oh yeah, there's the, like the most expensive election ever in this very small state, which I can't remember. Oh my, where's um? Something. Like, uh, it's one of the small Lindsey midwestern Graham? states. Like, no, I don't believe so. Um, but like Kentucky? Arkansas, or Kentucky, or Oklahoma, or a very small state, and it's this contested race. It's where. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the state where Mitch McConnell's. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. You know what's the? We saw this on John Oliver, and oh, the problem yeah. is they made these like joke ads about it of what they could use, but they called him an old dick, and they cut to a sh- footage mm-hmm. of uh, like old man's penis. And when I was trying to think of his name, was all I could think of was like that really oh, yeah, that's disgusting HBO image. <laughs> John Oliver, amazing by the way. Yes, yeah, great show. If you haven't seen Last Week Tonight on HBO, you should definitely Get watch on it. That. Um, but you know, so it was, and it's funny because it's this like so much money is going into this election, and I think John Oliver was saying his point is like all of the money is coming from outside the state, the Koch brothers, basically. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you know, the people of that state um, aren't really having a say in the um, in the election and the campaign right now because it's not them. It's not their. It's not funded by them. It's outside sources trying to influence the election between Mitch McConnell and his opponent. Yeah. You know, so at what point are really do Mitch McConnell or his opponent give a rat's ass about their constituents? Not at all. You There's know? Um, a great documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I'm sure you can find it called Can Mr. Smith Go to Washington Anymore? Where I think it's someone who wants to run for state, state senator or senator and just about the amount of being a politician is just about getting money and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, yeah. when you're talking about... Um, kind of a little bit like about trauma of kids being diagnosed with um and getting pills at such young children that really ties in because a pharmaceutical company Mm -hmm. profits are what ridiculous astronomical and they make so much money i know so like everything kind of ties in so i think was with lawrence from um or you call him larry or or you can call him either one oh you guys i like to pretend that they're buddies they've they've matched i've only met him once so i can't really (laughs) pretend i'm friends with him i'm sure he doesn't even remember and he was very um Focus on copyright, which yeah. is extremely important. Intellectual properties. Yeah. But I heard an interview with him, which I believe you sent me on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it was my old job, and I when I did overnights, so I remember listening to mm-hmm. his. Le- I was watching his lecture, and his focus changed because he got very invested in copyright, intellectual property activism, and then just kept finding out there's more and more problems out there, and he couldn't solve everything. And it was that thorough quote. Um, yeah. I there's can't. there's. Um hundreds um hacking at the branches of evil but only a few hacking at the roots of evil yeah and which is where the name root strikers came from right and the idea of root striker the idea is that the root of all evil in is money yes so taking and and money in politics specifically yeah because all the problem i mean that's why i got into it is like there i was passionate and worried about so Mm. many different issues that are affecting the country like environmentalism and the poor and education and um, you know, just like kind of everything and women's rights and all this stuff. And I mean, if, if, if the government is supposed to be able to make laws and, and do things to help the general public, 
and really what's influencing them is the money from corporations and rich people, you know, that, that, that all of those problems are not being addressed because there's a standstill because they just want to help the people that are giving them the money because they need to be reelected or whatever, you know? So yeah, that's how I got into it. That's really, ah, that's so great. I love your passion. Like, <laughs> when I first met you too, you're also very, pa- Victoria, also mm-hmm. passionate about those things. And I think that's why you guys complement each other so well. Yes. We're besties. So unless you're yeah. basically like a Ben and Jerry's where you're a progressive, uh, right. almost Fortune 500 company, a lot of those companies aren't really looking out for anybody at all. Right. And like, Well, no, they're very things. self-serving. Yeah. Um, and when they make as much money as they make, they think... They have the ability to influence public policy, to influence but, the public. But they do. I know. So they use that. Yeah. Because um, they think they can do that and they're able to. It happens. It exists. And it gets to you in ways of like, we don't have electric. There's like, they stop progress more frequently. Like, have you ever watched Who Killed the Electric Car? Yes. That's a great yeah, documentary. I forgot. It's like one guy in California and then GM who like just didn't allow that to happen because right. of the oil industry. Because of the oil industry. Have you ever seen Veep? No, on I haven't. HBO? It's kind of like the uh, a comedic version of West Wing, okay. where I think it shows... God, I love the West Wing. Oh. Are you a West Wing fan, too? <laughs> yes, I like Victoria it. Victoria got me hooked. We watched... We watched the entire oh. series, like, start to finish. Screw politic talk. Favorite West Wing episode character? I don't know. Let's just talk West Wing. I can um, talk about forever. Well, my favorite character would be... Um, um, well, okay. So it's like a three-way tie. I'm such a loser this way. Um, Stalker Channing, who played um, Abby Bartlett. Oh, oh, um, and, of course, CJ Craig was probably mm. my all-time favorite. But Claudia Jean. Yeah, Claudia Jean Craig. Love her. And then Donna Moss. It's okay to say I have quite the crush on uh, uh, Alice and Janie. How could you not have a crush She's on Alice and Janie? She so is beautiful. tall and leggy and just gorgeous. And <laughs> she the character she plays on West Wing <laughs> is just so awesome. Love her. Well, do you have favorite? I like the later years personally, the Santos episode uh, seasons. I feel bad saying I haven't seen. I've only seen like the first or second season. Those were, oh my most god! Call no, those, no, we will marathon. Yeah, those most people call those the best seasons, but I really like the. There's actually a one-off episode which I don't think it was as well regarded, but I saw. It, to be fair, too, I actually had watched the show. Excuse me, years after it ended, uh-huh. and I watched it on Netflix. Or we got the DVD sent to our house. So that does change your perception of how you watch a program because I'd have to wait for week to week to week. Yeah. But they do an episode where um, it's Vinick played by, oh God, what's his name? Oh, he played Hawkeye Pierce. Uh, Alan Alda. Sorry. Alan Alda. And then uh, Jimmy Schmitz who played Running for President. And they do an entire episode of a presidential debate. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was really oh. good. I think, and I, well, uh, with Veep too, I think you, I learned... You, or it's actually how government functions. Right. I think Veep is actually more realistic of how government functions because Aaron Snorkin likes to throw in <laughs> like his... Snorkin. Oh, Snorkin? Sorkin. Sorkin. You always pronounce it Snorkin. I, I pronounce everything his wrong. His real name is actually Aaron Sorkin. A Sorks. <laughs> oh, boy. So he has, I don't want to say a message, but it was dramatized. Great show. Love it, love it, love mm-hmm. it. Could never say enough about West Wing. But Veep, they talk to each other mm-hmm. in the way that people in politics talk to each other. Not in terms of jargon, but swear words. Uh-huh. Like, they call each other, like, fuck you, pieces of shit. Right. The, one of the first lines in the first episodes is uh, Selena Meyer, played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus, also have a huge crush on her. <laughs> How could you not? Yeah. I love Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> is promoting clean jobs initiatives, and uh-huh. then she's going into a function, and uh, she gets there, and there's nobody there, and someone comes over, and she, I forgot the direct quote, but it's... Uh, you mess with plastic, you mess with oil, and I don't. And oil does not fuck nicely. 
Oh. She's like, pieces of shit. What the fuck? But that's so accurate. She yeah. wanted to create clean jobs, and she wanted to remove uh, plastic utensils out of the school systems completely. Oil, uh, plastics made by oil. Right. And plastic is another epidemic that we right. can go on for hours. But, and, but because of the oil company, it controls our public school systems. Every little thing, it comes in because of like at Exxon. Or even like look what BP did and got mm-hmm. away with immensely. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's planning a trip of the Gulf Coast anytime I soon. <laughs> I know. It's just too bad. The Gulf Coast is pretty beautiful. And New Orleans is oh, no. That's still there. Well, I would love to go there. I would like to go there too. All right. So recently in the media. So what's this today? March... April, June, Close. July. Nope, it's May. May, okay. So it's, just, so it's May. It's May 18th. Darling. 18th. Recently, uh, an actress that Victoria liked in a movie that should have been better, Divergent, was asked a question about what it means to be a feminist. Was it Shailene Woodley? Yes, she was asked if she was a feminist. And she screwed it up royally. Well, that's not true because she's, she's allowed to have her own thoughts. Well, but no, it's said. not that um, she screwed it up royally. It's that the way she explained feminism was inaccurate. What'd she say? Um, well, so she was basically asked if she was a feminist, and her response was, no, you know, I just, you know, I love guys so much, I wouldn't describe myself a feminist, and I think, you know, the whole idea that women should have the power instead of men is wrong, which, I mean, any feminist worth their salt knows that is the exact opposite of what feminism is. Feminism, um, to say a quote that um, many people have said before me, is the silly notion that women are people. Um, it's right. about equal rights. You are? We are! Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, well, can, so the yeah. idea that to be a feminist means you're a man-hating, bra-burning, mm-hmm. not-shave-your-armpits kind of person is pretty antiquated and a little right. surprising coming from somebody so young. Right. Um, mm. Because, you know, that hasn't been the stereotype of a feminist since they started in the 1970s when they were being, you know, persecuted and made fun of. Right. You know, a feminist is somebody who wants to see equality between men and women um, with uh, also the silly notion of equal pay um, and things like that. Like, that is what it means to be a feminist. I am a feminist. I am married to a man who I love dearly. Believe it or not, um, despite the fact that he hey. streaks across the living room. Hey, <laughs> um, so just because I di- identify myself as a feminist doesn't mean I hate men or think less of them or want to have power over them. It means that I want women to have equal rights as men and to have the same opportunities that men do and that all people do. I love you, Victoria. Aww. Aww, you literally you. stole the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, what does it mean to be a feminist to you? That's and exactly you what it means. Really? Well, I mean, I think Victoria said it very eloquently. And, I do too. Um, I, I think it's just a topic that doesn't a get brought up enough yes and i think more men need to jump into that good fight yes so it's a, a it's a nice i would like to use this as an opportunity to extend the dialogue with both genders well, well yeah and i think um also something that bothers me about her point um it takes men out of the equation you know it right. says oh i can never be a feminist i love men too much men plenty of men identify themselves as feminists you know, so right. when you take them out of the conversation, that's really detrimental not only to the feminist movement but to men themselves. You know, when I'm pretty sure me and you talked about feminism date on one. our first date, like, and you explained you called yourself a feminist, and so I, I, so I think that was a real problem, and it is something that has to be talked about. It has to be an issue that's not just on behalf of women; it is on behalf of men because when one entire side of the species, you know 
does not have the same opportunities as the other. Like that's detrimental to each. Any, that's what I think. I, we don't want to all pin this on poor Shannon Woodley. She's just a young Hollywood girl. I know. I think but this it's, is just, it's a shame that she doesn't really yeah. understand the issue this or is a, understand what feminism yeah. is. I think it's more from a lack of but, understanding but like, I like you said because she's young. Mm-hmm. But I think she's just a, most, a more recent example of... Um, well, that kind of, well, first off, like we need to get to the point where we have to stop asking women, like in comedy or mm-hmm. any sort of media, of like those questions. Like I think it was Mindy Kaling had a question. I was like, she's like, most people will be asked about their craft. And I'll always be asked about my gender in this. Or world. like what clothes she's wearing or her weight. Yeah, yeah, Cause, exactly. Because yeah. she she's the writer, director. Uh, I think she's, she's amazing. Uh, she she's the writer, creator, and stars show, in her own show and yeah. showrunner. And, and it's, it's good, amazing. Have you watched the new project? Yeah, she's Victoria such a great. I'm obsessed. And she's she was a writer of The Office, which I yeah. held with such she's so, so close talented. to my heart. And yet, the first question out of anybody in your interviewer's head is, oh, what are you wearing? Oh, tell me about being a curvier woman in Hollywood. And it's, it's yeah. just, it's garbage. Yeah. It's and garbage. she's like, do you understand how hard I work? She's right. not acknowledged for her talent. Right. You know, and I think, you I, know, um, oh, it's something, it's like um, directors or creators of science fiction shows that fe- um, that showcase strong female ne- mm-hmm. leads. Um, I read an article, like their best quotes about feminism and Buzzfeed, things like right? that. Yeah, probably. Josh Whedon had the um, best quote. Yes, that's He's what I'm great. talking about. Oh. Stop reading my mind. <laughs> um, so he, the, an interviewer asked him, "Why do you, you know, why do you feel the need to keep showcasing these strong female characters?" Um, and he said, "I'll feel the need to stop when you stop asking that question." Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, a great answer. I love it. I had to give my mom a lot of credit. I don't know if she even had did it on purpose, but I grew up watching a lot of television with strong female leads, <laughs> and I, I don't know if it was on purpose, and so I just like. But like in my my youngest memory, well not my youngest, but television wise, media wise, was like Roseanne and Murphy Brown, uh-huh. and the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah, like I love Roseanne to this day. I <laughs> yeah. absolutely love that show, and yeah. I ne- but I, I never saw the difference of like. Well, I guess we'll go even farther. I love Lucy. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, Class- you can't even you can't even think of chocolate, or I can't even I can't even think of like chocolate in a conveyor belt without thinking of that episode. Like, oh, I know. like everybody. So, well, can we just also talk about the fact that yes, I Love Lucy was a great show, but she created that show. The company she was too. the company. She created the studio. Like they yeah. had a studio and in Hollywood that she created, you and know, she they, started uh, where Star Trek filmed. Wow. You know, so they, without like Lucille Ball was a phenomenon. She mm-hmm. was amazing, and all anybody talks about is like the show and things like that. But she was yeah. an equal part of the creation of that, if not more so. I think mostly. Yeah, and well, and they and I know the rumor, there was like Dad told me some story that she fought tooth and nail with the studio. Of they were gonna film it on um, either, I don't know what it was either probably pre VHS, but there's two different ways to film it, and one of them, well, there was a time in TV where they just recorded stuff, aired it, and then it was gone and never existed. And they recorded over it, or over yeah. it, like like old Doctor Who episodes mm-hmm. just don't exist. And she fought and fought and fought because she had such a business sense of because there was no syndication at that time. There's so few television programs, mm-hmm. but she had to not only make I Love Lucy. She had to make it so it could be saved. And they started Star Trek. Are they producers? Or Well, that was, they filmed Star Trek in the Desilu Studios well, that she, she created. Yeah, She helped start it. She oh, yeah, was, absolutely. Nobody was else like was going to give them a chance. But yeah, they she filmed was there, of, and then look what it created. Yeah, she's like amazing, amazing. Well, so like, what does it mean to you then, Lily? Feminism will kind of backtrack with you. Oh, uh, well. Um, My feminist gal pals. Well, I think <laughs> Victoria's just said it. Better than probably I can say it. Um, <laughs> well, on a personal level, cause yeah, like, yeah. Growing up female and like 
you know, we all grew up in nice areas and we had great lives. And, but the, the struggle is even real if you grew up in suburbia or urban city of just being a woman. Well, I think um, to add, maybe add on to what Victoria said, um, what, what I think is really important is um, the idea of like equality in general. Um, but also I think people misunderstand equality in that there's still... That that's, means that people have the right for individuality, which I think is really important. So being a feminist, like Victoria said, does not mean that you have to like be this really manly woman or like you have to be like, a, you know, wanting to be the CEO of a company or yeah. something like, or a bodybuilder or something like that. It, it, it really means that you have the right and the opportunity to be who you want to be. So, for example... I and I know Victoria and I both like feminine things like we both like wearing dresses and jewelry and makeup and like that kind of thing which you know is just a one small part of who we are Tickle but fights too <laughs> that's all in your head darling what <laughs> that's that was sexist of me to say that yeah. but I also like comedy so I, I don't know maybe I get he I get, gets uncomfortable I, with I, emotion I he has to make one. jokes yes. <laughs> yeah. okay so you know but that's one small part of who we are and just because we like to present ourselves or we identify as more on the more feminine, you know, side of the scale does not at all mean that we aren't capable of having the type of ability to make decisions or have, you know, economic opportunities or something like we should have those, all those opportunities just because of a certain part of our, our personality, you know what yeah, I mean? So, of course. so that's what I think is just that we have the right to, we should have the right to be whoever we want to be. Just like a man has the right to be whoever he wants or should have the right to be whoever he wants to be. I think one of my favorite quotes I heard of, uh, from Sailor Silverman had this whole point of how we should stop telling women that they could do anything because what if women growing up never thought they couldn't do anything? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like she's like, stop telling your girls that they can do anything they want. Cause they never thought that until you put that into their head. Right. And, uh, I mean, there's been, I I love um God, what movie did we see which was like called and you know what annoys the crap out of me like the movie The Heat or or like the bride, Bridesmaids it was like yeah. a feminist comedy with strong female lead that was just a really funny movie it was really funny I had movie. nothing to do with feminism it was yeah or, just women well, being it was funny. just women being funny it was just it was just a very funny movie it was just a comedy great piece of work that happened women. to star women and uh, like when we get to that point when we stop calling a movie like Bridesmaids ooh a strong female comedy and just call it a strong comedy it was then I'll think well, we're making a modicum of success <laughs> and, and you know whoever would have thought it would have been like Judd Apatow uh, Paul Feig Will Ferrell and Adam McKay are like the pioneers of this like movement well, Judd Apatow went on stage. Uh, well, I don't want to say that all the men are the pioneers of this. No, movement. no. We also have people like Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham. and Kristen Wiig. Like yeah. they're the ones who but are Judd, just making. Good I was referring quality. to them because of in the terms of the gatekeepers because they own the companies that make these movies. Mm. Lena Dunham. Oh my. We could talk about girls forever. I love <laughs> that show. But, like, yeah, I, thank you for putting that And Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling, yes. yeah. But in the terms, like, in Hollywood, those, uh, it's, uh, what is it? Gary Sanchez and Apatow Productions that made Bridesmaids mm-hmm. and those movies. But uh, Judd Apatow went on stage and uh, who, well, he had a famous quote. I think he said, uh, in front of Jerry Lewis, he's like, Jerry Lewis said women aren't funny. With all due respect, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> And people said that women, like, where does that even, that notion come that women can't be funny? Like, I live yeah. with you. You make me laugh all the time. Aww. Yeah. And, like, and you're, you have very funny jokes as well. <laughs> you're both very, like, I, I don't, how does your gender, I, I, that, that serious. Well, I, I think it comes from um, a place where just, if you were to say that women are, you know, fu- funnier, if not as funny as men, that takes away from some 
some people would think that would take away from men being funny. Well, what do you mean you're funnier than me? You know, like, it takes away their ability to be the funniest person in the room to say that somebody else could also Will you be allow funny. me to quote uh, a Victoria Pessinichism? Sure. <laughs> men are bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Daily. Like, is that yeah. really? Are we all just that insecure that this other gender can't do anything that would make us feel so insecure? Like, a woman can't be funnier than me or do something? It's just so strange. Well, it's also, you know, there's a lot of, you know, issues around the way gay men are, or gay women are presented in the media, too. You oh, know, yeah. like, like, I don't know if you noticed, but like, modern, I don't watch, I don't like Modern Family. I haven't been watching it. It's but, really good. But I know it's really good. But it like, brought the funny back this season. Yeah, this season's got But better. like, you know, that I, I saw, like, when I was in the grocery store, like, that whatever those you know grocery store magazine you know that are in the aisle when you're in the checkout the word you're looking for is tabloid thank you yes. um, <laughs> you're so adorable you don't even like, you're so uh, separate from tabloids you don't even know the word i love it thank love you it. but um but that like the wedding like was on the cover it's like yeah but it's it's just a like i, I just i don't think i've noticed other tv show weddings being on yeah, the cover but because it's a gay wedding mm. it's so revolutionary that we're right. showing a gay wedding and it's abc on a, on a right. mainstream channel like it's like, sad that that's revolutionary right and yeah. the criticism for that show is that the men are never affectionate to each other oh i know they don't ever make true. out or they anything. don't kiss or, only one yeah. of the actors is gay yeah but you take progress where you can get it right and that is a really funny show it is a really, it it's is really amazing funny. show I, I, I'm, lily's not saying that it's not funny i think her point is that it's a shame that that yeah. is that really good plot line is seen as being revolutionary and where it should I've be just a part of human articles life. or interviews with the creators and it's not their fault that they don't see more affection it's really it's it's um yeah, it's the studio yeah well, yeah yeah, you know, when, especially in that industry, they, they, you know, you want to put something on. But they, you don't have, when you create a TV show, you don't have final word what ends up there. Mm. Di- I think Disney owns ABC. Yeah, which is a extremely right conservative uh, company. Disney owns everything, and like um, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is such oh. an amazing actor. But yeah. like, I feel like I'm always seeing pictures of him and his. Kids. partner and his kids is like yeah. an example of a happy like gay couple with kids like but like he like right they like have to be the token gay couple right it's like, look they're, they're doing so it, it this they're so adorable okay. and yeah. like their kids are so cute and like that's great but it just seems like it's not about him as an actor it's about uh-huh. the fact that he's gay and he's mm. in the public eye and, and like look gay, at him you have to be gorgeous <laughs> yeah right, you have to like, look like neil Patrick. what Harris, about like yeah. just two old fat dudes or two women who are in their 50s who are just average looking moms yeah, you and know. who are totally in love and yeah. happy together. Exactly. And Sarah Silverman program, I, I never really watched it, but she had two gay characters, and it was Steve Agee and Brian Poussain, who were just gigantic, tall, overweight, slobby dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so great, because yeah. it's just not a thing. I mean, you take you take all that, like any little step of that. But even now, though, like even though we talk as if Hollywood is supposed to be getting better, it still hasn't at all. Like Most of the new TV shows are still white, attractive males. Mm-hmm. Which, well, we watch one of those shows. All the Arrow. late night hosts or white dudes. White dudes. Which yeah. white show? Which guy? Which Arrow. white guy? Arrow. I know. Oh, I you were... Don't you insult Arrow? It's my favorite show. I it's know. a great show. Can we talk about that season finale? Oh my god! Did you gosh. watch it? Yes. That Oliver Felicity moment, and then it turns out it was all ruse. Heartbroken. But, all but right. Then, but in the end, they seem to still have a. Oh, absolutely. I, and I know that's not like the end of their story. I was just like so ready for it to be the next stage. But there's definitely feelings there. But I Oliver's read. in love with like every woman on that that's show. That's true. He gets so many girlfriends. <laughs> He's all like, because of what I do, I can't really care for somebody. You've had like five girlfriends, dude. He's just a player. He is such a player. <laughs> well, if you looked like Stephen Amell, you would be too. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay? 
What? To be a player if you're Steven Amell. Well, no, I'm just saying like, he, he has multiple opportunities. I know. <laughs> he's not unattractive by any means. No. When he does the salmon ladder. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> I love that we can talk about something so serious and then just like... Well, I think that's when I asked Lily about like our coping strategies. Like watching really good television is one of mine and then yes, it was one of hers. Too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, also being a feminist who enjoys looking at an attractive male on television. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a facet of who I am. Now, would you believe if I said it's been an hour and 20 minutes? I would, yes. Oh. Really? Only because I really have to use the restroom. Oh, no, 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 it's quick, okay. Well, let's kind of start wrapping it up and talk about all of our favorite, the last favorite topics is uh, television shows. What's everybody watching? Well, Lily and I have a mutual obsession with uh, Call, Call the, the Midwife. Midwife. Yes, I love Call oh, the Midwife, God. but I don't know if anyone else watches that show. You should. It's one of the best shows. It is. PBS, right? Um, well, it's a, um, a show BBC. that's made in the UK and BBC, but it does PBS um, in America does air it, which is how I get to watch it. We I have Apple it. TV and we can watch PBS streaming on it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so no, cool. Call of My Wife is an excellent show. Speaking of BBC shows, Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah. You was it? Were you that? Did you turn us on to Sherlock? I don't no, know. I actually watched it randomly on Netflix one night. It's I don't know how good. I ended up finding it. No, you were. I told you about it. it. I watched it. It had. An, yeah, they had seasons one and two on Netflix, and I, I ended listen. up watching all of them. We don't listen to each other when we tell each other things to watch each other, to watch shows. We don't wait for each other. We're bad. Well, no, that was a random one that I just started you, watching. And I loved. remember I just walked in the room and just like, oh, what's this? That was I when you know. were still doing overnights, believe it or not. Yeah. So it was like a random Saturday night. You were doing an overnight. I had nothing else to do. I watched like the first season in one night. It was just such a it's great only three show. episodes. Yeah, Each night uh, but they're like an hour and a half long. <laughs> but you tired. liked you like Sherlock Holmes prior to the the this version of Sherlock. Yes, I'm kind of a Sherlock Holmes nerd. I think that's so <laughs> adorable. Well, my dad used to read me the stories, and yeah. we would watch the old movies. Um, when I was a kid, like the original British ones. I don't know if they're original, but they felt really old when I was a kid, and I loved them. Isn't it so sweet that Benedict Cumberbatch made like some statement that the the greatest news he's heard from the show is that there's been a resurgence of sales and Sir uh, Arthur, Arthor Conan Conan Doyle's, Doyle's yeah. sales books. Like that made Benedict the happiest that people yeah. are going back to read old Sherlock. It's really good. Well, we, we, you and I discussed how much we hated that stupid Jude Law. Oh, I hate those. Uh, oh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey yeah. Jr. one, and we loved. You and I had talked in length. The three of us talked in length how we like this Sherlock because it's really about his intelligence. It's I, that's all, it, and and that's it, what's so great about it is they make it entertaining based on intellect, not on oh. being a boxer or like right. all that magic that happens. It's not the physicality of it. It's, yeah, it's it's so, that he's an extremely intelligent person. Oh also, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch plays him like to a, a T. I love his I portrayal know. of Sherlock Holmes. It's in a sociopath. Yeah. So uh, two questions for sociopath. Sherlock. You don't think? He, oh, oh is he, so he's not though. I don't think so. Because <laughs> he loves his uh, his his Watson so much. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. He did kill that. Well, guy. he's changing in the sociopath. The definitions yeah, you that's don't true. change. So, what do you, would you? Can you diagnose Sherlock? I don't know. It's just a TV show, so I don't think he could. Um, sounds like he had a lot of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know his uh, we don't know his upbringing. Right. We think it's normal when he goes back. When he sees his parents, but yeah. he does drug them, so you never know. <laughs> right. Well, so first off, how do you think he faked his death? Because we never got that revealed to us, and we'll never know. Maybe. I mean, I I love that they like that's what I mean. Like, I love that they don't answer the mystery because I think the mystery is more fun than than the actual like because when they actually showed like 
that scenario when they don't actually tell you it's just a, um, mm-hmm. a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to know that this is how it yeah. happened because it takes away from how cool it was. I agree completely. But I was so happy. And they're like, oh, that was just a hypothetical. Um, so I actually really don't want to know and I like, don't yeah. want to pick because I like the fact that it's a mystery because it makes it so much cooler because he's so creative and, and it's like I can't even fathom how he did it. I had that episode with the wedding, which I think Sherlock, oh. one episode is almost broken into three episodes. Yeah, it's a really But the middle episode. part of the episode of the wedding when he's trying to give the speech oh my gosh that episode where <laughs> you went the wedding of with um john watson and mary it was probably one of my favorite things it was so uh, good. ever to watch yeah. like it was just such a great and so hour my, television. their show that question is like is morty already back yeah oh I'm, of course he's back like, how we never saw a body well, that's exactly just like Sherlock. I, I don't mean, understand. It's the mystery. Miss me They're so. Miss me Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Oh, that's it. Did you miss me? Oh, oh so good. It's I can't so wait. Creepy. I'm so sure creepy. we're gonna have to wait another two years before. Yeah, easily. Season. Well, because both. Because they're too become... busy making the Hobbit or whatnot. No, he's in Fargo. I know, but they're also in the Hobbit together. Yeah. So they must be like real life BFFs. I hope so. Oh, how awesome would that I be? I hope so. I, ho- I really hope so. Like... I have a little fangirl <laughs> besides, fantasies about that. I, oh, yes. <laughs> besides those two on the show, I love that um, everyone on that show is good. Every yeah, character. Um, such good Watson's actors. wife, the brother, uh, the yeah. cops, like just every single person. And the actor who plays... Is it Mycroft? Yeah, Mycroft. Mycroft, Mycroft. Is uh, uh, the creator... One of the co-creators. Co- one of the co-creators is yeah. Stephen Moffat. Uh-huh. And uh, writer... Because we yeah, watched yeah. Um, um, a documentary special on PBS about the Baker Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Adorable. So what are you, so you guys currently like into TV-wise? It doesn't currently, or if it's your Netflix binge. Well, we're both obsessed with Arrow. Yeah. I love Arrow. That's a good one. Um, I love Call the Midwife. Um, one thing I'm watching right now on Netflix, I took a break from it, but I'm now like really, really into it again, is um, Friday Night Lights. Oh my oh, God, I yeah. love that show. I gotta get into that. It's oh, so, so good. It's just such a beautiful show. What season are you on? Um, the one where they're um the, the new high school East Dillon's yeah, created. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's probably four. Uh, four, yeah, yeah, season four. So, oh my gosh, such a good show. Yeah, so good. Um, I also just um, like Chris mentioned earlier, I'm currently obsessed with the Mindy Project. I watched season yeah. one and two on Hulu within a week. Like, I just could not stop watching that show. Mm-hmm. And I'm it's probably one of the best written shows that comedies anyway that I've seen yeah. in a long time it is so good it is so accurate like she says my thoughts like how I respond to things is how she writes and it's she just, always it's jokes amazing. about her weight which I give her so much credit for and how people well I think she's her. kind of making she's making fun of it she's satire. making fun of yeah it is a satire she's making fun of the fact that that's all she gets remarked upon and Mary said she's gorgeous Oh she my gosh, beautiful. I love her. Oh, she's, she's hysterical, so, so talented. It's such a good show. All its um, secondary characters are so flushed out, flushed Who's out, the, and so um, interesting. The funny, the nurse I like. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but he plays Morgan. I think it's Ike Baringholtz. We saw him on At Midnight. Know. I think yeah. we really like him. Yeah, at that it's show just at midnight. Such a good show. Yeah. And, and uh, well, I know. I mean, I can go on and on. Like Game of Thrones, right now is probably yeah. my all-time favorite. Silicon Valley and Veep are my two HBO favorites right now. Uh-huh. That's what I've been watching. I also um, loved. Well, I don't know if I loved it. I found I was really into True Detective. I gotta do that. I started it and I wasn't in the right headspace, so I'm gonna go back. I, I found the end, like the last couple of episodes, really creepy. But I get creeped out really easily, and Me too. Um, like gave me nightmares and stuff. But it just, I, it was okay. so well done. So that's I, I don't know how to, how to describe it exactly. I don't know if I would recommend it or not, but because it's so creepy. But it's so like I love detective shows and I love the acting mm. and. 
I know all three of us are big. I mean, I'm literally wearing a Ron Swanson t-shirt as we speak. Parks and Rec mm-hmm. We're Parks all huge and Parks and Rec yeah. fans. Yes. We haven't even, I don't know if we talked about it. What did you think of the last episode of the last season? Oh, I haven't been watching it this we season. We'll watch it, to, we'll I need, watch it no today. Spoilers. I need to catch up. We can do it today. Okay. Uh, we're, we're having a very nice dinner right after. Victoria, can you tell us what you prepared for us? Um, sure. So I had some uh, tomato sauce simmering all afternoon. Made, did some homemade tomato sauce. And I'm also going to make some pasta. That I made the pasta dough myself, so I have to roll it out with the pasta maker that Lily bought me for our wedding. Um, Very selfishly. Yes. Um, <laughs> Wait, hold on. She's also bought us a cake stand because yeah, she so loves how much she Yeah, so clearly Lily knows her. what I like to. <laughs> I got you the most selfish wedding gifts in the world. That is all right. Well, that's I'm, I'm how okay I buy presents that. for her, too. So, <laughs> so you cook oh for me. Uh, yes, and I'm also going to make some chicken parmesan to go with our homemade sauce and pasta. And then I also put some chocolate ice cream in the ice cream maker this morning, and we're going to have ice cream for dessert. And you bought, and you made whipped cream. Well, I'm going to make whipped cream to go with the ice cream. That's a yes. given. And Chris did the dishes later. <laughs> well, like we That's like to amazing. end with, we have two questions. But so for you, let's start with Lily. Okay. Favorite places to eat, and since you're uh, we're in Providence and we eat here a lot, I want to ask you first: Where do you eat? favorite places to eat in Boston? Favorite places to eat in Meriden, Connecticut? Uh, <laughs> i just kidding. That's just whenever Lily goes to New York, they stop in Meriden, where I'm from. It's a Mexican place that wasn't there when I grew up, so that was just a joke. Uh, but favorite places to eat, would you like recommend in the Boston region or in Providence? Okay. Well, I'm not as sophisticated as you guys. I don't have, like, these really fancy restaurants that I <laughs> oh, it could be know anything. all about. Um, yeah. I... Um, we're really getting into sushi, so I don't oh, have a too. specific sushi place, but, but I just I feel like a lot of the sushi I've had in Boston is good. I'm not a snob about it, so I'm sure. But um, there's actually one. I live in Newton, and in Newton Highlands, there's this like takeout sushi place called like Takara Sushi that just makes really good sushi. That's good to um, know. And um, we went to this really good place recently. We did. Um, I can't remember the name, but I loved it. It was. Um, Acantine. Acantine or something, yeah. Yeah, it's a French restaurant. And it's in Boston, but they just opened up one in um, Chestnut Hill. And it was really, it was like, I loved it. We it went for good. restaurant week, so mm. we got the tasting menu, good. and it was yeah, so it was amazing. I love French restaurants. Um, I went to another one recently called Gaslight, which was really great. Um, it was a French restaurant. I think it's owned by the same owner or like a same chef or something like that. Um, so yeah, I really like French cuisine. and, um, and I like that name. Gaslight. Yeah. yeah oh, because the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. <laughs> I love that band. Um, yeah, me too. Thanks to you, Chris. Um, oh, they're coming to Boston? I forgot. My friend Jamie with the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Oh, cool. So I might have to go. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Um, that place is great. And well, then, you always take us great places when we come up to see you. Either you cook us an uh, incredible meal. Lily is also very talented. While we've been talking about Victoria's wonderful cooking skills, I have none. But Lily, you yourself are also an incredible cook. Absolutely. Thank you. But Victoria is way better you, than me. You make food that's healthy that I still like. <laughs> Oh, I know. She made us this that butternut squash. squash. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, you're right. It was the pumpkin risotto. Yeah. Right? Oh, that was oh, so good. God. That's I, my favorite. Thing. I still oh, think so about good. that meal. Oh. And so she always good. has the delicious desserts. Oh, so thank you, you guys. Um, what about Providence? I we, love Providence. I mean, I think Providence maybe has better restaurants well, than Boston, probably. I, I might be a little biased, but that's actually a fact. Okay. So, and then <laughs> um, not, not my personal opinion. It's been rated by like... Uh, is it Leisure Travel Leisure Magazine called us the number one food city in the country? That's so along cool. with like multiple other publications called us the food place. No offense, Boston. But 
I've you, been blown away by the restaurants you guys take me to. Um, the one even just down the street, is it Louis Fuller's? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so, it's like yeah. the, the architecture is so beautiful yeah. and the food was mm-hmm. so good. Um, Red Stripe, I was really mm-hmm. impressed with. And um, Red Fez. Yeah, that was the first meeting. Yeah, that was our first meeting. Yes. And um, what other ones have we gone to? Oh, we just recently went to Broadway Bistro. That That's was really my new good. favorite right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Broadway, Broadway Bistro. Bistro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just always... So, and then um, the other one, the the one um, Farmstead or whatever it's called. So, yeah. I think it was some, like four years ago we went yes. there, but I still don't But This r- is good news for Lily, it. but bad news for us. Yeah, so the owners of Farmstead are closing Farmstead what? as of like June 1st. Why? But because the Bastards are opening a restaurant in Boston. Oh. So good news betrayal. for you, bad news for us. We'll come visit. <laughs> <laughs> That was a really good, I remember, yeah. memorable experience. Victoria, favorite places to eat in Providence? Oh my goodness. The oh, list you know what? Um, just goes on and on. I don't know where to eat in Montclair still. John <laughs> Poor guy. Poor dad. Um, so dad, my father was their first podcast guest. And, and you know, where do you like to eat in, like where you live is a very common question. But for some reason, my father could not think of a single restaurant in his area. Mainly because my mother's the one who makes the, you know, dinner reservations and everything um but yeah no montclair has a lot of good restaurants nori for sushi um palazzo is a really great um kind of italian american uh bistro that's really good too so lots of good places in montclair Uh, favorite places to eat in providence oh we can go out i mean lily mentioned louis fuller's broadway bistro um you want the best brunch in the city you go to nick's on broadway Mm -hmm. or julian's they're both on broadway on the west end you are going to wait an hour for your table but it is going to be worth it you want a really good burger you go to lux burger bar or you go to harry's bar and burger um you want really good chinese food you go to lemongrass down in warwick oh that's our place (laughs) yes and i get drunk and we do lily and i share um scorpion bowls (laughs) have feelings and then i drive <laughs> if, you can, drives home. if anyone's listening to this whole thing you could tell that the three of us are like friends <laughs> we're pretty close yeah uh where did we go broadway bistro oh god cooking brown oh cooking cooking brown on hope street Ooh, that's really great i think gracie's is no we took time. you there Oh, we did? Yeah, that's where the three of yes. us went, remember? It was before the wedding. Wait, is that where we talked about our hopes and dreams? Yes. Which okay. time? <laughs> <laughs> we do that all the time. Where do you want to see yourself in five years? Yeah. <sighs> well, so if you've listened to the show, well, I know you both have, you'll know the last question is uh, the movie one. So if you could rewatch your... like, So you know that experience you get the first time you watch a movie? Mm-hmm. Like your favorite movie. And so it's kind of... The question is really like, if you could relive that experience of seeing a movie for the first time, what movie would it be? So and don't thread about it because I Mike and I literally have a different answer every single time about the experience and like the 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 origins of this question is we were driving I think we were coming back from our honeymoon mm-hmm. it was um Richard Roper was talking about someone who is a famous movie reviewer and he said if he had one wish in life it would be to rewatch his favorite movie again for the first time mm-hmm. and I remember writing that down thinking like oh we should end the show with that that's a really cool question so, and we I changed my answer every single time and I knew you were gonna ask me that and I didn't prepare <laughs> good good we like we like unprepared I guess the movie I've been thinking a lot about lately that I have always really loved, but I think I'm seeing it a little bit in a new way. Is um, Goodwill Hunting? I know it's yes. kind of a cheesy answer. No, but that's such no. a great movie. I just I I'll never get over how much I love that movie. And when I was younger, I liked it for a different reason, and now I really love it for the therapist role. Um, I just think yeah. he's such a great example of a really good therapist, um, Robin Williams, and. 
Um, and I love the, the Boston stuff because I like yeah. do love Boston, even though, you know, it's not like the, I'm sure it's not the best place in the world, but it feels like it's because it's home to me. Oh, it's, you a know? Great, it's a great city. Yeah. Um, so I just, and I just love, I just, I, I love the accents and the, I can watch the humor again. and the camaraderie, like the, the love between Matt Damon and all of his friends. And I, but I especially love the way Robin Williams portrays the therapist. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not well, your fault. I don't know. I don't it's know not if your that's fault. exactly how I would handle it, but no. it's a good representation of, or yeah. like a metaphor for what therapy is. You know, what a great movie, though. Yeah, it's oh, all about trauma. Really... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, do you have a different answer from your first? Time I here? do. So I believe when the first answer I gave was Little Women, which I stand oh. by that. Which it's which the version? Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon version, it's Christian Bale. And Christian Bale, of uh, course, really? is Laurie, yes. He's in that? Yes, yeah. he plays Laurie. Um, but I think after talking, like, we were talking about J.J. Abrams and Star Wars and Star Trek, I my answer might now be um, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Star so Wars. Where, where did you sorry. see it? I'm sorry? I meant to ask that to Lily as well. So this was both of you. Where, where did you first see that movie? I'm sure I first saw that at home. My um, my brothers are both big Star Wars um, yeah, Matt fans. Yeah, came out in no, the Well, no, world. but I mean, Alex and I had lives before Matt was born. What, really? So it was probably that. Um, but And my parents were huge Star Wars fans as well, so I'm sure it was just on VHS at home. Where did you first see Goodwill Hunting? I think I saw that one must have been at, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't see it in theaters. I, I don't even really remember. It must have been at home as well, but... Um, my brother and I, my, I really love my brother and we're, we're really always really close and, um, and we watched it like 1800 times when we were yeah. kids together, like a teenagers. Um, cause he really connected with the character that Matt Diamond plays. And, yeah. um, so we watched it and we just quoted it all the time to each other. And, Aww. um, yeah, it's just, yeah. So I don't remember exactly when, but it was definitely in high school or middle school and we just watched it over and over and over again. Well, that's so sweet. So um, for a sign-off for this episode, would you guys want to do the Clear Eyes, Full Hearts? <laughs> can't lose. Can't lose. Yes. <laughs> clear Eyes, Full Hearts, Can't, can't Lose. lose.